Go ahead and be turning to Psalm 19. As you're finding your place in Psalm 19, allow me to pray once more for us. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these opportunities to gather, not as individual communities of faith, or not only as individual communities of faith, but as your church, your people, redeemed by the blood of your Son for the purpose of exalting and glorifying your name, to minister to the hurting, to preach the gospel, to proclaim good news to all who will listen. Father, thank you for these times that we can gather together to remember we serve one God. And Father, my prayer for all of us during this conference is that, Lord, these men that you have put forth to preach, to bring your word, God, I pray that you would protect any of us from a sense of competition, any sense of performance. I pray, Father, that for a brief time, for these three days or so, that, Lord, you will set aside our flavor or our brand of worship. That, Lord, you will help us to see ourselves not as just one individual church body, that we won't promote just one church, but your church. That, God, no saint will feel out of place in these meetings. That no soul who is hungry and thirsting for righteousness will leave these meetings untouched by you. Father, thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we have your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you have put us together in this place for this time. God, will you now bless us with your presence and bless your word, edify your people for your glory and your fame. In Jesus' name, amen. I have the awesome privilege this evening of walking us through Psalm 19 together. If there's any connection between Psalm 1 and Psalm 19, because the two are very closely linked, Psalm 19 gets down to the bedrock of why is the man blessed? The trust in the word of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1. This, beloved, is the word of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat." 
the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Beloved, just reading that, you get a good sense of why C.S. Lewis said this was the most beautiful psalm. It is packed full of meaning. It is packed full of passion and emotion. This is not some dry theological sermon. (laughs) This is real life. This is a man rejoicing. I'm so grateful that Justin had pointed out for us very pointedly and clearly at the beginning of this conference that the Psalms are not just here to teach us more about God. They are an expression of worship. They are a celebration around who God is and the truth that He has shown us. And I'm sure that at times, parts of this Psalm are more appealing to us than others. For example, I have prayed many times, as I'm sure many of you have, verse 19, particularly on Sunday morning, before we stand and try to expound God's word, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. There are times we have rejoiced in just the goodness of God's word. And then just to, to look up into the skies and to, to say, as the psalmist does in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. And at times we seem to come approach Psalm 19 almost as if it was piecemeal together there may be a little chunk here and a little chunk there that David kind of put together but Psalm 19 as a whole celebrates a bigger thing a bigger point that we need to point out and so my intention tonight is just to kind of walk us through the entire psalm just getting big picture of what is this psalm really about what is the psalmist celebrating and causing us calling us to gather with to celebrate with And I believe it is just this. It is a song celebrating the fact simply that God has spoken. The very fact that God would speak to us. Acknowledging who He is to us. I believe that's the heart of Psalm 19. That God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. To His creatures. That we would know Him and his ways. I have the blessing of 
tutoring 11, I hate to say children, young adults, because they're not children. And in class last week, the statement came up in our discussion, Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship. And we spent a little time discussing that, threshing that out. What are the implications to that statement? Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship. And the question I asked to them, okay, if Christianity is not religion, it is a relationship, then how can you have a relationship with an individual that you can't see? How do you have a personal, intimate relationship with an individual you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't touch? Unless that individual wants you to. Because that's really how all our relationships are based, is it not? The only way that we get to know one another is if we allow one another to know each other. You can't have a relationship with someone unless they allow you to get to know them, unless they reveal a part of who they are, part of their nature. What do they like? What do they dislike? Until that happens, you don't really know the person. You may think you know them, but you don't know them. I learned very on as a teenager, you don't really know someone until you live with them because we're real good at putting up fronts, and we can real good at pretending for a while, but when you live with someone, you see their ins and their outs, you know them in a way that you didn't know them before. So how do we have a relationship with a God that we can't see, hear, or touch unless he reveals himself to us? And I believe Psalm 19 celebrates the fact that God has revealed himself to us. He has allowed us to know him and he has done that in two ways through general revelation and through specific revelation or to put it another way through his creation and through his word through his world that he created that we just happen to have the privilege to live in and by his word that he by his grace has given to us in psalm 19 the psalmist simply begins in the very first part of this psalm, by turning his eyes towards the heavens. You can see that in verses 1 through 6. He simply begins to survey God's general revelation. That means he simply takes time to pay attention to his surroundings. He starts turning his eyes upward and looking around at all that is around him. At all that if he lived in our world, he's been completely ignoring because the iPhone keeps buzzing. Cell phones keep ringing. We're too busy being distracted. The psalmist takes the moment to simply turn his eyes up and to look around him. He begins to pay attention. He begins to, to look at the clouds and how they drift. Remember, remember doing that, beloved, as a child? Lying on your back, looking up at the sky and seeing what shapes you could make out? Why'd you stop doing that? Why'd you stop looking to those things? The psalmist takes time to look. He takes time to survey the trees as they sway in the breeze. The birds as they sing flying by. Leaves of a spectrum of color as they crackle in the grass. He looks at the stars at night. And for a brief moment tries to count them. He gazes at the moon realizing this is the same moon that's been there since eternity. Since God created it it hasn't changed 
in the morning, he watches the sunrise and is captivated by the explosion of color and of light just before it peaks over the horizon and blinds us with a glimpse of light. The psalmist surveys his surroundings. He begins to look at creation. And what does the psalmist discover? What does David discover by doing this? Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. If you could sum that up very pointedly, I believe the, David, the psalmist, is telling us creation, beloved, is preaching to us. Creation is preaching to us day in and day out. It continues to preach to us day and night, verse 2 tells us. Beloved, you think your pastor gets long-winded. Creation doesn't stop preaching. It continues to proclaim to us the glory of God. And the good thing is, it doesn't use words. And yet there's not a place on this planet it cannot be heard. You can't go to any remote corner of this globe and not hear creation preaching to us. Its message is not limited by language. Its message is not limited by borders or by time. It's not limited in any way, shape, form, and fashion. It never takes the day off. It never says, I'm too busy. It continues to preach to us. The psalmist seems to focus primarily on one aspect of creation. He seems to draw his attention into the sun. He says, consider the sun, the psalmist says in verse 5. The sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. He goes on and says, it's, it's like a strong man or an athlete that runs its course with joy. The sun rises and it, it proclaims the glory of God as it streaks across the sky faithfully. And it does it joyfully. It doesn't hesitate. It doesn't pause. And when it finishes its course and it ends its race of the day and it sets beyond the horizon, it still preaches because the moon shows up for us. The stars shine. Creation is preaching. What is it preaching? What does creation preach for us? Paul tells us in Romans 1 that creation preaches God's eternal power and His divine nature. Paul says what can clearly be seen by creation is evident to us. His divine nature and His eternal power. And it is preached so well that Paul goes on and says that no man is without excuse. That's a good sermon. No one is without excuse. No one leaves the service of creation saying there is no God. No one. He says consider these things. Consider the sermon that creation preaches. 
and for all those who are listening to creation's message, we begin, we begin by listening, observing the message that creation preaches to get a small, fleeting glimpse of the glory of the Lord. Glory, by the way, that He chooses to reveal to us. That He allows us to see. Thankful for the creation that God preaches to us. Thankful that He reveals these things to us. But what about us who have seen these things, who have taken time to survey creation, who takes time to listen to the message that it preaches to us, who have gotten a small glimpse of what it proclaims to us, and we're hungry for more. What about when we, we see these things and we go, clearly there's a God, but I want to know more about this God. I, w- I want to know more about what He likes and what He don't like. I, I want to know more about what, 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 what sets His heart aflame. I want to know what delights Him. I want to know His ways. What about those of us who desire to know more of God? Are we simply limited to a general revelation? Obviously, and thankfully, the answer is no. We are not limited to a general revelation. We have, by God's grace, a specific revelation of God. We have His Word. God has chosen to reveal Himself through creation, but also through His Word. By all means, beloved, listen carefully. Take time to turn your eyes upward to the heavens. Take time to survey creation that is around you to see what is being proclaimed about God, but also take time to turn your eyes to His Word. Don't just be satisfied with general knowledge of God. He's revealed specifics about Him. Pursue them. Find out what it is He wants us to know. Take time to turn your eyes to, the, to His Word, to hear the details about our God who created all that we've been beholding. The psalmist turns his attention in verse 7 to just that. Verses 7 to 11 are probably, in many opinions, and at times mine, the richest part of this psalm. He turns his eyes now to the revelation that God reveals through His Word. What does the psalmist tell us? Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous. Altogether, the psalmist says that the law of the Lord, God's word, is perfect, that his testimonies are sure, that his precepts are right, his commandments are pure, his rules are true. That, that simply leads me to conclude, brother, that there's nothing, and let me emphasize this there is nothing you will invest in in this life that will benefit you more than time spent in the Scriptures. Nothing that you invest your time, effort, money into will will pay out more dividends 
than our time spent in God's Word. Why? The psalmist tells us it revives the soul. It makes the simple wise. It rejoices the heart and enlightens the eyes. How? Because it reveals the character of God. Take a notice real quick with me and notice how closely the psalmist links God's word to God himself. You just, just run your eyes down verses 7 through 11 and notice how he, he puts a preference for the, the word. He says the law, the testimony, the precepts. And then he follows up immediately by saying of the Lord. That, that word Lord is not just something we throw around. That's the name of God. Yahweh. The law of Yahweh, the law of God, the law of the Lord is perfect. He links this very tightly to the character of God he, he, so that you cannot really separate the two. He references the Lord immediately after every instance of the word. The psalmist, beloved, is simply rejoicing. He is worshiping. Because nothing reveals the character of God like His Word. And so to spend time with His Word is to spend time with God. And last time I checked, nothing benefits us more than God. The psalmist knew this. Which is why he follows up in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And drippings of the honeycomb. We read that. And unfortunately something inside of us from time to time says, Well, we know David wrote this psalm. We, or we have good suspicion David wrote this psalm. And David had a tendency to be a little uh, charismatic from time to time. So perhaps maybe he's using a little hyperbolt to explain this. Maybe he's um, using a little holy exaggeration to prove his point. Maybe the, the law of the Lord is good, but is it really sweeter than honey? Is it really more valuable? Is it more to be desired for us than fine gold? Maybe David is using a little exaggeration. Perhaps. But I, every time I, I read this psalm, every time I, I read how he puts this emotion behind his worship, he, he puts emotion to his theology. He responds with this worship. And every time I read this, I can't help but think of a man that Robert, Robert Sumner wrote about in his book, the wonder of the Word of God. And in his book, he tells this true story of a man that not long after receiving a God-given hunger for God's Word, he was physically injured in an accident that left his hands and face severely damaged to the point that it became difficult to hold objects. He was immediately blinded by the explosion. 
but his desire for God's word still remained. And so he, he pursued to get himself a Braille Bible. And he attempted to read God's word in Braille. But what he found out is that the ends of his fingers, the, the nerve endings in the ends of his fingertips was of such damage that as he would skim, skim over top of the Braille lettering, he could make out some, but he couldn't make out everything. And it left him frustrated. And so he read about a lady in the past that had had a similar situation to him. And she tried to compensate by taking the same Braille Bible and putting it to her lips. That as she ran her mouth across the Braille, she could feel it on her lips and she could distinguish the letters. So he figured, well, I'll try that. But what he found out is that even his sensitive lips were damaged of such he could not continue to read his Bible. In frustration, he set it down for a season and then decided he would pick it up and try again. Hungry, hungry for God's Word. And then, as he was trying this, just by sheer accident, I, I preface that because you know there's no accidents, right? By sheer accident, his tongue touched the Braille. And he, he realized his tongue was not damaged by his injury. And he could skim his tongue across the ends of his Braille tips and he could read God's Word. Is the psalmist exaggerating a little? Is he taking some holy exaggeration here? Is, is David just wrapped up in the emotion behind this worship that we serve a God who speaks to us? Who reveals Himself to us? Perhaps, or maybe we just aren't as hungry as David is right here. Maybe our palate has become stale. Maybe we just don't have that hunger and that desire for the character of God. We're not longing to know Him more. We're too content with what we already know. We may say, well, I want more than general revelation of God. But from time to time, beloved, do we not hit situations where we're just saying, what I've got is good. The psalmist wrote this beautiful psalm, hungry for more God. Hungry to know Him more. So here's my simple instruction, beloved. Turn your eyes to creation and see the message that it is proclaiming. Turn your eyes to God's Word and behold the character of the Lord. Who He is can be known simply because He's revealed Himself to us. I'll do a, a bit of confession. I confessed this to our congregation this morning. One of the sweetest times to me now as we gather together on a Sunday morning, is not when I stand and I preach. The sweetest time for me right now, the time I feel most like a church, is when we just get together and we just read Bible. But we have scripture readings during service. And the preacher and the one who does nursery, the one who cleans the toilets, we're just getting together and we're going, speak God. Speak God. We all need to hear you. It is the time that we feel, I feel most like a church 
when God preaches the sermon. His way with His words. Beloved, turn your eyes to creation. Turn your eyes to God's Word. And may I just add, and some of you see where this is going, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. The Word that became flesh. The image of the invisible God that came down to reveal the full nature of God. The very heart of God. Turn your eyes to the one who didn't just reveal himself to mankind, but died for mankind. Who wasn't content just saying, here I am. Who said, here I am and I want you with me. Turn your eyes to him. David's rejoicing here. Because God has revealed Himself to us through creation and through His Word. This is a beautiful song of praise to God. Just that He lets us know Him. To worship and to celebrate the One who has revealed Himself to us through His creation and through His Word. But may I just add, how much more, beloved, should we rejoice? That we have a full revelation of who God is. A full revelation of God in the flesh. His person in the work of His Son. Praise, worship, and celebration that God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. I thought about that this morning as we gathered. When's the last time I just thanked God for speaking? <laughs> for giving us little glimpses of Him. So let me just say, beloved, as we wrap this up for this evening, take some time tonight or tomorrow morning just to look up. Just to look up and to look at all that God is speaking to us through His creation. Or maybe, maybe in the morning, get up just a little extra early and watch the sunrise. I had the privilege of driving here this evening and watching the sun set. And at no point this evening as I glanced at the sun, I didn't stare, I was driving. But at no point in that time, me gazing at the sun, did I ever think, man, I'm great. That thought never crossed my mind. But how great is God did. How great must the artist be that painted that scene? I want to know him a little more. I want to spend time with him. So, so look around you, but don't stop there. Let that be the fuel that drives you to the Word and say, okay, God, I see you here. Now I want to see you here. And let this drive you to the person and work of Jesus Christ that you may see fully God. Now I said that in a relationship, one has to reveal themselves to know them. But a relationship implies that it's a reciprocal thing. One reveals something about themselves, an individual puts forth some truth of them, another individual follows in a response. 
Here's who I am. Here's what I, I think. Here's what I like, dislike. Another individual responds. That's what the psalmist does in 12, 13, and 14. He responds. Now, 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 now notice what he's responding to. He's responding that God speaks. God reveals himself. And he responds how? In prayer. The rest of Psalm 19 is nothing but a prayer. Verse 12. I think verse, the first sentence of verse 12 is the only thing that David speaks to David about. Who can discern his errors? In light of this God, who can truly discern his errors? And then he offers up this prayer. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also for presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Beloved, would you pray with me in response to all that you've heard today? Many of you sat in a service this morning. Many of you have practiced today singing songs and praise to God. We've heard Justin preach a great message for us this evening. Would you just respond to God however he's prompted your heart? He's spoken to us. Will you speak back? Would you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we pause now as we wind down this, your day, that you and your grace have set aside for our rest for our encouragement and for our building up. And Father, we, I, just want to take time now to say thank you that, Lord, you didn't stay hidden, that when mankind turned his back on you, when we rebelled willingly and joyfully, ran from you, you were not content to stay hidden. That, Lord, in your mercy and your grace, you've revealed yourself to us. Indeed, Lord, all of creation proclaims your glory. But even in that, Lord, you were not content. Even in that, Lord, you pursued us more. You sent forth the prophets to proclaim your word. You sent forth the psalmist to pen these beautiful words for us. To draw our eyes to the creation. That we may see and behold glimpses of your glory. That we would desire and long to know more of you. And then, Lord, at the perfect time, at just the right moment, you sent us the full revelation of yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. So that, Lord, we wouldn't have to guess who you are what 
pleases you, what blesses your heart. Lord, you didn't leave us guessing. You didn't leave us in rebellion. God, you pursued us. You revealed yourself to us. Father, thank you. God, my prayer is that this great truth that we see all throughout your word will never become stale or stagnant in our hearts. But that, Lord, you will continue to bring this forth and that we just celebrate who you are more than what you can do for us. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the rest of this time we have in this conference. Father, I pray you continue to speak with us according to your mercy and your grace. Father, we offer these prayers through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Beloved, be careful going home.